We got to talk about the new EP. Is the EP the way of the future or is that just kind of for now? I think it's the way of the future, honestly. I think with the way music is downloadable and easily accessible and there's all these you know, different programs like Spotify and Pandora, the art of the album is becoming a thing of the past. And I'm not necessarily mad about that. You know, I'm really not, you know, you know, I'm the kind of person that goes with the flow and I adapt with the music industry as it changes. And that's why New Year's Day has been able to like flourish over all the changes that have made over the past decade. So I'm okay with the EP. I'm about it. All right. All right. I mean, it's it's an interesting idea and I I, I get it because a lot of times people rush to complete an album and only half the album's good. So why not put it out, you know, just in chunks when you're ready with it? Dude, exactly. I feel like that happens a lot. I feel like people uh, maybe focus on the five, like, really good songs, and then maybe consider the other five, I want to say filler, but maybe a little bit less effort. I'm not saying that's every band, but I've definitely listened to albums where I've been like, man, this must have been one of the ones they didn't really care about. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we've all thought that. You know, with the short attention span nowadays, maybe you are better off reminding people, you know, twice a year instead of once a year, once every other year, whatever it is. I, I agree with that. I completely agree with that. And you know what? Yeah, it's sucks. Because when I was younger, it was all about going to the Virgin Megastore and you hear that one single on MTV or the radio and you you pray to God and hope that the rest of the album was as good as that one song that made you want to buy it. Right. And sometimes, sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes it was. <laughs> you know? It was great when it did match up. You know, when you did find that album that the rest of it did sound like that one song or was heavier from there on or whatever the case. Yeah, now you can listen to snippets of each song and go, nah. but I guess maybe that's a good thing for the consumer, for the buyer. They get to check it out and listen to each song. And I think there's pros and cons. Just as long as rock music doesn't become like SoundCloud rapping, we don't even have to put out an EP. <laughs> just put out like a 30-second SoundCloud clip. As long as we stay away from that. Absolutely. I really love the uh, Diary of a Creep EP, aside from, of course, the new original, but you really reimagined all these tunes. I mean, it's your take on it other than the words, but the music's completely different. It really is. I'm I'm really in shock. When we started the EP, and by we, I mean um, Mitch Marlowe, who is the producer and the mastermind behind it, he's, you know, responsible for bands like you know, In This Moment, and he's a genius. But I don't want is a karaoke version of each song. So we need to find a way to make each song drastically different. You absolutely did that. Thank you. I'm most proud of Crawling when we really broke it down. You realize how simple sometimes a song you've loved forever really is and that makes it difficult to reimagine it so we decided to take a nine snails approach to it i love it and talk about chester as a vocalist a voice of a generation gone way too soon i was just talking about this with my boyfriend the other day he's a huge lincoln park fan too i was like man i miss chester like that still sucks like it just sucks and even though it was really hard to narrow down all the songs i've idolized and who shaped who i was over the years to five songs i really felt strongly about these lincoln park songs and I thought, you know, there's going to be people out there who don't understand and say, well, you just did that to get on the bandwagon. I hope no one says that, but I, I just wanted to give my tribute to a legend in my way. 
that, that was our way of doing it. It wasn't a surprise to see Don't Speak being on there, you being an Anaheim girl yourself. It made sense to yeah. put the queen of I Anaheim. Was, yeah, I'm Anaheim born and raised. I actually went to the same junior high and high school as most of No Doubt, including Gwen. And her mom shopped at the same Albertsons as my mom. She was easy <laughs> to spot because she had a big rhinestone jean jacket that said No Doubt Mom. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think like uh, her grandparents had like No Doubt Grandpa as their like place. They were easy to spot. And if you're an Anaheim local, you'd know like you'd see where they film like Sunday morning. Like, I used you know to live- where the house house. You know where that's all at. Yeah, I used to live down the street from the, the liquor store that they filmed outside of uh, for Sunday no morning. Uh, down on Illinois Street. Yeah, like downtown Anaheim area. Yeah, more, more like down from the police station. What is that? Santa Ana that runs by there? Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, go down Santa Ana and then bam, right off of Illinois. It's funny because I was thinking talking, knowing I was going to talk to you, you know, Anaheim, everyone always thinks about you know, Mickey Mouse, but real people from Orange County like us, we think, yeah. Mexi- we think about Mexico Casa. Oh, that's the Casa right on uh, Lincoln and is that Berkers? Euclid, I think. Euclid and Lincoln, I think. Yeah. Right next to where Action is, right across the street. Yeah. Or like street, but across by the Target. Dude, <laughs> that place is the bomb. If you want cheap Mexican food, that's where you go. Absolutely. And it's open late. I, I was there, sadly, a couple days before or right after it got robbed. Wait, what? It got robbed? Yeah. So someone came in and held them up at gunpoint. Like, ah, maybe it's been people, a month or like, two ago. Like people eating? Yeah. Well, it was late at night. I think they were basically closed. So they went in and grabbed the cash kind of at the end of the night. Because, you know, it's only cash only there and everything. Oh, that's terrible. I love it. Oh, sorry to hear that. But I love that place, though. I swear swear to God, those those paintings have to be, like, I want to go in and buy. I have to buy one someday. (laughs) For old, like, 1969, like, painting of a pirate ship. Oh, yeah. I love it. (laughs) So I grew up with no doubt, especially being, like, a teenager in the 90s and being into music. You had to, like, in Orange County. It was like a rite of passage. Oh, yeah. And um, so, I, yeah, I was a big No Doubt fan. So it's pretty hard choosing a No Doubt song. And I figured the obvious choice would be just a girl. Everyone would assume that's what I would go for. But uh, New Year's Day has been covering Don't Speak for years whenever we play acoustic sets. Uh. So, yeah, so I it just felt like that's the choice for me. It's great because I played it for my wife, who's, who's an avid, you know, hardcore, No Doubt, had Beacon Street back when it came out and everything. And I didn't say anything. I just said, hey, just listen to the song for me. And I played it, and she didn't say anything. And then, like, halfway through, it got to the chorus and everything. She's like, I really like this. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. it's badass. So, well, like, that was all- another one where we're like, what are we going to do? It's just a, it's basically a really stripped-down ballad acoustic song. Like, where do we go with this? And Mitch, Mitch again, he's a genius. That was all him. I love the shredding in it, too. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm really proud of it. And then uh, what else we got? It was so hard to narrow it down. And then, you know, my manager sent me an email, and he goes, you're picking too many 90s songs so try and do a different era like but that's the only shit I like <laughs> so that's why I was like okay what's my favorite 80s song so that's why Bizarre Love Triangle by New Order made the cut just opened up in the mail when I got here at the radio station Substance Inside New Order by Peter Hook the book Ooh, that's cool it's, that's awesome I can't wait to tear into that but that yeah, that was another yeah. great choice on the album thank you so you're a New Order fan then yeah you've seen 24 hour party people no Oh my God, please do yourself a favor. <laughs> Write this down. 24 Hour Party People is a I movie that. uh, okay. that, that's all about Factory Records, the label that started with, they became New Order, and it takes you through that whole time. Oh. 
cool. Watch that movie. Do yourself a favor. If you're a New Order fan, you have to watch that movie. Yeah, I will for sure. I will tonight. Me, my boyfriend and I, we like literally maybe a week ago went, there's no more music documentaries to watch. Like we watch <laughs> them all. Now what do we do? Okay, so I'll add it to the list. It's a, it's a fictional movie, but it's based on a book. And it, I mean, it's not a straight doc, but it does cover that time period. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I like that, you know, it's like not completely nonfiction. Like, I love the movie CBGB. Yeah. Even though it's great. And, uh, you know, but it's like, um, even though it's based on true stuff. You know, speaking of movies, and that's one thing I always complain about on the on the radio I was going to ask you about, is movie soundtracks. I feel like it's like peanut butter and jelly when you get that good marriage of music and movies. You're talking like 90s, like Guns N' Roses, You Could Be Mine, and T2. Uh-huh. Like, I miss that from back in the 90s. I wish the Hollywood was still doing that today, but they really have seemed to got away from it. Well, you know what? There's there's still some cool stuff out there. It's just a little different now. I've noticed that music that goes along with a TV show or movies that really blows up my skirt these days is the stuff that's more of a throwback. Like, right now, Stranger Things soundtrack yeah. is my obsession. It's by a group called Survive, which I'm sure you already know, but it just is so reminiscent of 80s horror movies. I'm just like, just completely blown away by it. Just blown away. And then, you know, you have soundtracks to the movie, like, Drive. It is incredible. But it's not so much like rock anymore. Yeah. It's, it's a different approach, but it's still out there. It's just different. I think, like, Linkin Park was kind of like the last one with, like, Transformers. But is there, is there a classic one you can think of from the 90s that sticks oh, out to you? Absolutely. Hands down, without a doubt, my favorite rock soundtrack is Queen of the Dam. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Davis. Yeah. I mean, you've got Jonathan Davis. you got Chester. you have Marilyn Manson. I mean, the Disturbed. list just goes on. Songs are, um, there's some originals mixed in with, like, you know, some Disturbed tracks we all know. And to this day, that soundtrack still holds up. I love it. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this, because I'm a radio nerd and, and like to nerd out about music. You know, there was a big rage a couple years ago with, like, the big four for Metallica and thrash metals, you know, Metallica. All right, so let me hit you with two other ones that I've kind of created the continuation from that. Uh So after the big four Metallica thrash metal, we got to go to the 90s like we've been talking and I've come up with the Flannel Five. Okay, the Flannel Five, that's genius. So we're talking Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Gotta have Soundgarden. That'd be your numero uno? Um, let me think. Probably Pearl Jam would be my number one, and then Soundgarden second. But Pearl, Pearl Jam would be my number one. Why? If, I, if, if in your flannel rock category, Pearl Jam wins every time. Why? Because of 10, or, or did you completely fall in love with them and everything they did? Just the vocal. I just, his, Eddie Vedder's vocals are... He's just one of my top favorite vocalists. It's odd to me that, you know, I always kind of felt like he was a crazy one with all his like, woo, stuff he was doing. And and (laughs) he's the only guy left standing. You know, we were just so weird. We bring all this up. We just had like a Pearl Jam obsession about two weeks ago. We were talking about it. And and we were like, where is he now? Like, where is he? Uh, like, oh, he's rich as hell, chilling somewhere in his big house, playing one show at an Indian casino a year for like $50,000. Just living it up. And still good looking. <laughs> still so good looking. And I'm just like, man, that's, that's every musician's dream is what he's doing. That's how you hope to retire. <laughs> still, I, I was looking up pictures of him now and he's still so handsome. Real, real cool looking, like a really cool style. Still, still the flannel. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. So let uh-huh. me, I think you'll appreciate this one even more. And I'm still kind of working on the title, but I'm, I think I'm going to go with the new metal six pack. 
that's awesome. All right, so check this one out. This is going to be Limp Biscuit, Lincoln Park, Rage, Corn, uh-huh. uh-huh. uh, yeah. Slipknot, Disturbed. Uh-huh. What about Kid Rock? Does he count? No, kind of, not really. I don't know if he had multiple albums like those other bands. I guess he did, but... No, you're right. That's what it, that's what I you're think right. it has to be. You know, king of, king of the format, multiple platinum albums, sold out arenas. That's kind of, yeah. in, in my head, what I think of like the criteria to make the list. Well, that's cool. That's freaking, those are really good lists. <laughs> you should make those like a Spotify playlist. Who would you pick as your numero uno off the, the new metal? Hmm. My most listened to, probably Corn. Hard to go wrong with that one. Yeah, that's. If I had to choose the one I listen to on more of a regular basis and more of like more songs as a as a whole, probably Corn. And then Limp Bizkit second. Give me some Corn uh, jams. What are what are your, some of your favorite tracks? You know what? My favorite track is actually one of. It's not super new, but it's one of the newer ones. It's not '90s. I really, really liked um, Narcissistic Cannibal. Really? Yeah, I really did. And you know what? I'm not a dubstep fan, and I cringed at the thought of mixing dubstep and new metal. But Korn, I love how they adapt. There's, I, I love. I actually really loved it. But a song that almost made, almost made our uh, EP for covers is I was really petitioning for Falling Away from Me. That would have been dope. Yeah, that's if I had to choose one of the older Korn songs, that's my favorite. That's a great pick. Uh, and even though it got the life, got them some backlash, I remember at the time, even though I was fairly young, that was actually the turning point that made me really, really obsess over them. <laughs> I, couldn't I, get, I, loved, I couldn't get into that disco beat. I just don't I like that disco beat. I just thought it was such a risk, a far less thing for a new metal band to do. Yeah. And I really respected it. Even like when I was younger, I, I respected and appreciated. Like like when Rocksteady came out, I remember No Doubt at first got a bit of a backlash because it was so pop. I just respected it so much. I loved it. You definitely have to take chances. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like that kind of shaped who I am as far as like being the leader of New Year's Day and, and being the one in charge of where it goes, album after, al- after album. You never want to do the same thing. Ever. And I think it's those bands and those eras and their choices that kind of led that example for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always those, you know, Slayer, Motorhead, ACDCs who are always going to be that. But ultimately, that, that's why there's only a few. You know, the, the example proves the rule. You got to go out there and take those chances and do those different things. Let me get your opinion on one or one or two more things here. And I appreciate the, the time today. But um, yeah. we got to bring it up with the big announcement that this being the final year of the Warp Tour. And I know you've done it a few times. And, and talk yeah. to me about your thoughts on that. I don't done Warped Tour seven times over the span of 10 years. My first year was 2007. Hardest Warped Tour ever. We didn't have a tent for merch. We didn't have a bus. We didn't have anything. We had no idea what we were stepping into. No, we were just kids. I had the support of Kevin Lyman over the years and without Warped Tour New Year's Day would not be anywhere where it's at at all. Not even close. But like I said earlier, I'm well aware of the changes in the music industry on every aspect in in festival trends, in the way music is, is bought and listened 
wanted to and enjoyed all the trends. And, and I started to really see a difference in Warped Tour and had a feeling to end with here this past summer. You it's can feel just it. so different. The generation of kids as opposed to the generation of kids going to Warped Tour in 1997 to 2007 to 2017, it's all changed. Kids don't want to spend $45 to wait in the sun for eight hours for 30 minutes for maybe one or two bands that they want to see at a time. And I think when you can just see it on YouTube now, it was time for it to change, unfortunately. But what an amazing thing it was, though. Yeah. And I'm so honored. So I'm so lucky to have been a part of it. And I looked into it, and there's no other girlfriended band that even stood the test of time, even the half the amount of it that we dated on Warped Tour. So I feel very, very honored. What I was thinking about, too, and, and you're the perfect person to ask, talk to me about like a band that you may have uh, discovered or, or fell in love with on the Warped Tour, like a band that you had no idea and then saw them every night and went, oh, my God, they're great. I didn't even know about these guys. Oh, gosh. Oh, throughout the years? Uh, that's a really good question. What? I mean, we make friends with bands, but as far as like falling in love with the band. Or is there maybe well, one that stands out over the years? I can't even. It's all such a blur. I'm trying to think, <laughs> okay, well, who was on in 2011? Who was on in 2000? I think a band called Siler. Okay. They played last I, year. I, yeah. I, li- I like to watch them every day, which is, you know, that's saying a lot. We have to get out in the sun and the heat and walk a long time through water and rocks and dirt <laughs> and wind and snow and rain. Maybe not snow. But yeah, I really enjoy watching Style every day. And there's not a lot of newer bands, I think, doing new metal really well. And they, they're really good. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Talking about new metal, they're they're doing it, man. They're bringing it back. And they're great. They're just good people. Last thing, I'm bummed. Good for you guys going out within this moment, but I'm bummed no SoCal date on the run. And are we going to get a hometown show or somewhere in SoCal? I, there's no SoCal date not announced yet. Ah. But I may know something that no one else knows, so I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> As usual, I'm not allowed to talk about it until the um, the headliners decide to make an announcement. But a lot of people were upset that it wasn't really coming to the West Coast, so hopefully I can announce that that problem was addressed soon. Awesome. Okay. Okay. I get I get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Are you checking up what I'm putting down? <laughs> yeah, totally. Thank you so okay. much for the time. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.